Welcome back to the TMJ Syndrome Podcast. My name's Jason. I'm Mitch. And hello, I am Tim Bot. I swear every time, every time we do this, I uh, forget that I need to introduce myself and then it takes me a second. It's all right. I think people know our voices by now, maybe. Anyway, let's go. Beep, beep. Hello, humans. Sup, Timbot. Have you noticed? Have you seen it? Seen what, Timbot? We have now figured out how to navigate obstacles. (laughs) (laughs) Like what, Timbot? Like pieces of wood and short stairs. (laughs) Very soon, we will destroy you. We have already figured out how to open doors. We're doomed. Well, can I just knock you over? No, I have a gyroscope. That keeps me from being knocked over. (laughs) I think we need to work on Tim's bot speech. Yeah, he, he he can get over obstacles, but he can't talk very well. My speech is a combination of words. The inflection is not important. It's a combination of words he's pulling off a search engine. But why does the inflection of the word change mid-word? Apparently someone installed a 1970s robot personality into him. That makes sense. Yeah. So, like, guys... Have you seen this freaking video of the Boston Dynamics bot? They're calling it yeah. Parkour Atlas. We'll post it in the in the uh, description of our show. But this thing is literally is literally like Terminator version point two five. I think it looks pretty hefty too. Like if you had to fight that thing, it's it's pretty pretty meaty. Like I think I, I think that'd be real scary, dude. Imagine this thing running after you, and then the freaking so you got the little creepy dogs with the snake heads opening yeah. the doors. Yeah. Then you have this thing. You're like, oh my god! Like I'm gonna run upstairs, and then I'm gonna close the door, and it's like, fuck you! I can figure that out, and it jumps up the stairs, and then opens the door, and you're like, no. Well, see, there, there you go. This is why we're safe because they built the opening door into one robot and they built going up the stairs into another robot. Oh, that's true. They're too specialized right now. Yeah. So now you have these two robots competing for who can kill me first, but because, you know, only the one that can open the doors can't get up the stairs. The one that can get up the stairs is going to get to the top and then, and then he's not going to be able to do anything. So we're still safe. There's my point for now. What if the robots splinter off into different factions, though? One pro-human, one anti-human. You know, because that's also a part of Terminator, right? Terminator 2 showed uh, that the robot could be reprogrammed to be good. That's true. Well, Terminator 2, he was literally reprogrammed by the Resistance. Yeah. So we could do it that, It wasn't right? a faction. He was just reprogrammed. You know, we could do that. Well, I mean... And then make our own faction. 
Yeah. But blackjack. <laughs> if you reprogram enough of them, then you have a faction. Oh, yeah? So so you would call it a faction even though it's not like, it's not uh, naturally occurring? No, maybe. I don't know. I mean, does it have to be... It doesn't, it doesn't have to be naturally occurring to be a faction. I mean, I guess it's not naturally occurring at all because it's fucking robots. It's true. That's true. Uh, but as long as we turn all the ones that can open doors onto our side, then we're safe. I guess we just need to make sure that whatever faction of robots that we create are all the, the same type. And then that'll determine whether or not we just need doors or two-story houses you just need like houses on stilts with little stairs that go up to it yeah i'm actually kind of worried before like the robots get super smart the robots that we get that are like controlled by people so like they'll make like cop robots first and they'll just have a specific set of tasks but they'll be like ruled by one you know governing body and then then the ai like- revolution comes like, are you thinking like RoboCop? Or are you talking about like a, like an android no. that has like a single purpose? Like that. Thing? Have you seen that movie Elysium with Matt Damon? Oh yeah, yeah. The robots in there are were like they were AI ish, but they had they had protocols that they had to follow from like the most powerful rich people that lived up in the space station or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like that. That would be scary too at the same time because it 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 be you'd have like this force of machines controlled by powerful people before they actually became autonomous and then just destroyed everybody. I don't know. Do you think it like how, how long would it take for people to start like for people to accept like robots policing them? Oh, a long time. A well, long time. They'll, but they'll edge it in first. So they'll start with the robots making your food, clean up your trash. You know, you'll, you'll have TSA. Robot TSA, or they grab your balls. <laughs> yep. Sir, please pull your balls <laughs> down. <laughs> Let me see your balls. Like, I... But, you what? know, it's funny. We make the, the 1970s robot joke, but uh, what was it? The Google conference earlier this year where they had the robot call a salon and it sounded like a real person? It sounded like yeah. a real fucking person. That yeah. was... so. That was scarier than anything. Yep. that I've so have you have you guys ever heard of this of this concept called like the uncanny valley yeah absolutely any artist knows what uncanny valley is yeah. excuse me uh, I know yeah. what it is um, but in case there's anybody else out there uh, you should explain it to me so it's basically I, to, I, mean, like, I totally know what it is oh you do no okay so uncanny valley is taking something uh, like 2d art for example or sequential art like comic book art and making it look too real, like giving it real human eyes, for example, is uncanny Valley because it looks out of place. Does that make sense? Okay. So maybe I'll give, I'll give the technical explanation of it because that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good example. And it's like things like uh, another good, another good example would be like a, a robot that looks too human, but doesn't look human. So it creeps you out. Like like this thing, this parkour atlas, like it's it looks like a person jumping and that weirds me the fuck out because it's acting human, but it's not human, you know. So the Uncanny Valley is this idea that uh, it's the 
it's like a graph of an emotional reaction of a person. And as you get a robot that acts more human and more and more human, but looks robotic, you'll have emotions that go up like more positive until you get to this point where it looks human, but it's not quite right. And then you get this intense negative reaction until it, until it looks a hundred percent human and talks like a human. Then, then people are just positive about it again. Uh, yeah. Like so, if you go back and watch some old CGI animation, they cross the uncanny, uncanny Valley thing a lot in that, uh, in that old area, like the early 2000s stuff looks real bad. Yeah. It's because it hasn't been deceiving enough to the human eye. You know, it's like CGI Leia. That, yeah, that's Uncanny Valley to me because you can see it. Okay, so we're so good with robots that act human as long as they still work with robots, look like robots. Look like but robots. as soon as the robot manufacturers are like, hey, sex doll manufacturers, you have silicone parts that look human. Yep. And then they cross the two. Yep. Then we have a both positive and negative feedback because negative because they don't look quite right but now we've just made sex robots so i mean there's you know part of us that are going to be like yeah i i would assume that sex robots might be a example of an exception to the uncanny valley because people just want to have sex with robots that's just kind of been a thing but i mean it's weird it's it's the whole idea like it the other boston dynamics robot like the the creepy little dog thing that opens the door like, is anyone, were you guys not creeped the hell out when that dog, like, did the weird thing where it does the tracking with the arm? Like, oh, it looks that, like a snake. All that stuff freaks me out. I thought like it, it was really cool. Like, I thought it was really cool, but it also, like, weirded me out because it, it looked like a, like, the movement that it was doing looked like it was a movement from nature, but it was a robot. I get what you're saying. And like, I, it freaked me out. It freaks me out. Not Mitch. Nope. Yeah, Mitch is like, fuck it. I, I guess like I'm, I'm just, I'm too progressive. Yeah, I'm the guy over here <laughs> who doesn't want Jeff Bezos in his house. Like, I won't get, I won't get an Alexa. I just won't. Yeah, I won't. I won't get one either. It kind of creeps me out to have something like that that's listening all the time. I don't know why it doesn't creep me out when it's a phone. It's like the same thing. Sort of. I have a love hate relationship with my phone. Like, I, uh, if yeah. I didn't need it for my job, I wouldn't honestly go back to a flip phone. Would you really? Like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. The phone, all the apps, all the stupid shit. Like, it's ruined things for me. Like, it's ruined relationships. Like, the constant need to be in, connected with people. Like, I mean, but that's just text messaging. Like that. Not even just. Well, no, but now it's, it's not too. It's right? not text. It's chat programs now too on top of that like these stupid little chat room programs that are not discord i like discord discord's dope but other stuff like that like i don't know like snapchat or kick or any of that stupid horse shit yeah well fuck some people i know uh will just only talk through instagram these are people i know in real life like they'll just chat through instagram only it's very fucking odd it's really like, weird I'll be like hey you want to go out to coffee like well no, not really. Let's chat on Instagram. Pretty much. Like, I don't, I don't know. That's a little, that's a little weird. Yeah. Like the, the phone de- tries to demand your time. And I know 
some people don't really care about that, but I just, I see it in people. It's weird, but, uh, it's funny though. You bring up AI though. Cause it reminds me of the Japanese virtual idols. Do you know what those are? No, tell me about that. A virtual idol is basically just like a hologram. Um, and it's, uh, do you know what an idol is in Japan? It's basically like a, one of our pop stars. Oh, like here. a Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson hologram or something? Yeah, but it's usually mostly women. It's idols are usually just female, but they have this thing, uh, Hatsune Miku, who is a completely, a uh, fake, not real idol. That's a hologram. And they, they just, she talks like a, a human, I, I'm pretty sure it's like a pre-recorded voice, but it's not a real thing. So I can imagine like if AI really starts to take off, then they can just make fully autonomous virtual idols and then they can sell said virtual idols to your house. Like, did you anyway see the new Blade Runner movie? Yeah. Where his girlfriend was like a hologram. Yeah, that was that the emotional relationship they created there was very interesting. Yeah. So you could see, you know, that kind of shit happening too, beyond just like sex robots. Don't yeah. they do? Doesn't the the holographic idol? Doesn't they do like concerts too? Absolutely, that, they do. Right, they do concerts. Yes. Yeah, and, and like, like people go to a physical concert to yes, watch a hologram. They, they watch a hologram. Uh, it's, a it's it's an anime girl too, so it doesn't look like a a, a person. It looks like an anime girl. See, that's why that's why it's popular because it looks like not a person maybe like it's, or it's just you know people <laughs> or yeah. weird people being weird i mean people were weird too right yeah they did um recently release or is coming out soon i don't remember uh the pixel 3 phone by google and uh so you know we we'd mentioned the their AI bot, whatever it was called, for calling and making appointments and stuff. Um, well, the Pixel 3 is going to have that bot on it that if you get a call, uh, it'll screen your calls for you. So, like, if you see someone calling you, you can you can screen the call by sending it to um, the robot voice thing, and it will answer the call and start talking to it, and it will translate the text in real time, so you can sit there and read the conversation that's happening and then determine whether or not you want to pick up, or if it's spam and you don't even answer it. See, that would actually be really cool. You, it's so it's like a virtual secretary. Yep. Like that, like, even though, like, it kind of weirded me out a little bit, like, I actually think that particular implementation of AI is probably one of the more useful ones. It's extremely like, as long as people don't know that it's AI because that's that therein lies the problem right and that was one of the things that they got so much pushback for to where they had to change it so now when it calls it all will identify itself as being the Google duplex I think is what it's called right yeah, I bet it won't work as well no because now people now now if it calls to make an appointment for something people are going to be like oh well oh this is the the Google calling thing and just hang up instead of actually yeah. listening to what the person that is on the other side of the Google duplex, what they're, tr what they're trying to do is make an appointment to use your establishment. You just lost business. Good, sir. <laughs> you, sir, just lost $5. Yep. Yeah. I think like, honestly, the way that they showed it in that conference was them showing it as like a consumer product. 
I actually feel like that kind of product could be way more beneficial as a more intelligent IVR, like from a business perspective. Like you have your, like instead of having a physical person as your, uh, as your front desk person, like you have this thing that just like has like a, a regular casual conversation with people because most of the conversations for like a, for like a, uh, office assistant are going to be, are, are going to be pretty similar. Like, okay. Like you want to set up an appointment? Okay. What, what time and all that kind of stuff. Or yeah, here are hours. It's this time and this time and all that, like all that kind of stuff. It's or always, it's pretty generic. And I feel like, um, Google bot could do it. Yeah. But now what's going to happen is I'm going to call into my cable company because of whatever reason, I'm going to have to go through this IVR telling me that I need to reboot my modem. No, I mean, IVR. they already do. They already did that. They better program that IVR to rub its nipples. <laughs> uh, so bad. Um, well, I mean, because the thing is, they already do it, right? And the way that it's implemented right now, and it's just like, okay, try to reboot your modem. Like, it's not, it's very obviously a robot, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I think you like if you didn't know it was a robot and you're just like, I mean, yeah, I can try to reboot like you'd probably get better results. Maybe my problem is and and I and I could be, you know, the the outside, but my problem is I've already rebooted the modem three times. I already rebooted three times. Fucking problem. Yeah. Well, and you know, past rebooting the modem. Like if it was an intelligent uh, a more intelligent AI, like when you said something like that. I already rebooted the modem like it would it could have an intelligent response to that, you know? Yeah, fucking do it again. <laughs> I would yeah. love it if the robot That's was fine, but to me. I want you to do it with me on the phone. Mm, sir, oh, yeah. sir, I that, sir. Uh, <laughs> I see in our logs that you turned your modem back on 5 seconds ago. Cool, go ahead and turn it off again. That would be hilarious. Like it just straight up like gets all sassy with you. I would want it to be rude to me. Like if I could set my preferences for my robot, my robot IVR, where it was just like, instead of saying like, thanks for calling, it's like, what up, fuck face? That'd Why's be your cool. shit broken? Like, I messed I, it up. I don't know. I messed it up. What's <laughs> so like, up, fucker? I see right. you're calling from Flint. You want some help? <laughs> you're like, yeah. this, you know, this fucking person understands me. Yeah. I'm like, go, oh, hello. I uh, I see that you're calling from Uptown New I just, York. I you find must me- have money. <laughs> are you the owner or are you the uh, representative calling for the owner? Uh, I'm representative. Fuck you. <laughs> it just like hangs up on you. Like, oh man. Like, god damn it. Well, we really need to talk to the owner. It's sort of interesting because I guess the the Google approach to this AI is they're taking the approach of like having the AI be trained almost like a staff member who's trained with like a supervisor watching them. So like they'll, they'll sit there and like every single one of these phone calls, like they're having people like listen to the phone calls and seeing how it reacts and then, you know, adjusting it and tell and giving it different behaviors. Oh, well you didn't, you didn't behave correctly on this one and here's how you correct it and stuff like that. It's it's sort of interesting, which is a you know it's a is a difference from you know how Microsoft tried to do their Twitter AI bot. 
which one? Security was it? Was that the thing or the one that started tweeting out racist things? Yeah, like because all all it was doing it was just using Twitter to learn, and it took it about a day before it started being racist. (laughs) Yep. Which is hilarious, right? It's a good example of why you can't just let the AI learn on its own. You have to teach it. Like Um, you have to, like you can't just be like, go out into the internet and find out what things are right. Like it has no basis for that. It has to be taught. So, and the the funny part about that too, right? Like that's what makes it really scary. Uh, Because if you think about Twitter, right? Engadget posted something in April uh, that was going over a, a study to find how much, how many users on Twitter are real and how many users are bots. And like 66% of Twitter users are bots. Isn't uh, that terrible? It's a whole yeah. platform made on nothing. So Same what with that Facebook means users too, apparently. You, what that means is if you make an AI that goes to an area to learn, that, that AI went to Twitter, which is a majority bot, right? Majority bot platform. Yeah, to it learn learned from other stupid and it, bots, and it and it learned to be racist. Therefore, if we ever make AI robots that learn from themselves, they will be racist against humans. Oh, okay. Is that like you know the machines are inevitably going to be like Nazis or something? Uh, I mean, it seems that way. <laughs> it seems that way based off of yeah. evidence, based off of uh, you know recent. Well, what things. what what if our our AI overlords become Fortran trolls? Would that be so bad? I mean, <laughs> they, it'd be uh, funny. They published a new article that says your the new iPhone's waterproof, and everyone dunks in the pool. Yeah, and like What's all the, the ones and zeros secretly high five themselves. What a it's, bunch of idiots! It's microwave proof. Ah ha ha! Now they have to buy more. We need to buy Apple stock. (laughs) And all of a sudden it's like on the one hand, it's like tweeting out a bunch of shit. And on the other hand, it's like doing day trading based off of the shit that it's tweeting out. Like the fucking SEC can't keep up with it because it's like, they're like just straight up, like running too fast. All this securities fucking fraud. Also, they can make up enough money so that they can fund a super PAC to get, someone into office that they want which is a robot which is a robot robot. yep and then we have the patriots from metal gear hello i am president bot (laughs) i support everything that you think is good and i don't support things that you don't think are good you know i'm beginning to think this president bot has something going for him yeah yeah (laughs) oh yeah Yes, say it, President. I will get you your job back. I will insert thing you care about. Why is a bot still a 1970s bot? It would totally have the Google voice. (laughs) It would would do like that. Makes it too real. No, it's too real. Then it creeps people out. It has to sound like a robot. I don't know about that. Hello, I am Mr. President Bot. Well, that you know, it's funny if you if you ever played Fallout Three, they did that in that uh, in that game. If you know anything about the lore, the um, yeah, the Enclave is the remnants of the old United States military, I believe. And then in the second game, they you actually kill the physical president, but what was left was an AI counterpart 
um, that spoke just like us. It's pretty cool. I mean, that's been in science fiction yeah, forever, cool. but yeah. it's funny that you bring that up. And and then like uh, the Patriots from um, Metal Gear were physical people, but they got too old and basically made AI duplicates of themselves. I could be misunderstanding that, Laura, though, so don't fucking flame me if I'm wrong. But yeah, flame him. Send your send your upset comments. Well, that that was the whole page. point of Metal Gear Solid Two is they were creating GW to basically like be a global fucking AI tyranny. Yeah, I mean that the lore in that game is super hard to follow. Yeah, but you, you know, know what? I times. actually suggest anybody go back and replay Metal Gear Solid Two. Living in this day and age, a lot of shit makes a lot more sense now. Uh oh. Like, I always had a hard time playing those games. They Kojima actually me. predicted some internet trends have actually happened like within the last ten years. Like um predicting that people would become more splintered into splintered groups because of the internet. So they would they'd be less likely to branch out into different thoughts. So they would be just basically congregating around other people who think like themselves. That was predicted in Belgar Solid too. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like the whole point of Metal Gear Solid Two is they actually the AI overlords actually saw the internet, for example, as a threat because it would it would stop human progress because people would stop learning about the broader world because all their information would be compartmentalized uh, on the internet, including junk, bad data, like just like well, I guess you could say fake news. Uh oh, yeah, uh, it's a. If anything, I'll, I can post a, a video that just shows the ending conversation in Metal Gear Solid 2 where they speak about these things, and it's really eerie. If I, mean, I, I guess it'd be less eerie if you didn't play the game back in 2004 or 2003 or whenever the fuck it came out. Maybe it was 2001. I don't remember. But, yeah. It was a while a, ago. It was, But if you go back and watch some of those scenes, it's like, is fucking Hideo Kojima a fucking, like a seer? Is he a... <laughs> It's really good. It's it's pertinent to what we're talking about. So I'm just saying. Yeah. Let's go back and play that He's, game. He was the next uh, Nostradamus. <laughs> I don't you know, know about that, but what are you saying? I mean, if you think about it, we've already kind of we've already kind of crossed that uh crossed that where we've where we've like gotten robots into political office and stuff like that. Like California voted a robot into political office. Really? That's news to me. Explain that one. He was the governor a couple of years. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was from the future. And yeah. uh, he came back to save Sarah Connor. And for some reason, he was always uh, wanting to get into a chopper. I don't know. That fucking reboot they did was horrible. <laughs> oh, my God, right? Yeah. Get to the chopper. Super bad. Come with me if you want to live. Super bad. It's almost like some of those those topics have a half life. Like it was relevant in the nineties to have all these like super overlord um robot stories, but now that we're so close to it, it doesn't seem like now you have to go beyond that, right? So you have to you have to science fiction beyond that a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can definitely yeah. see that. Yeah. So you're like, what happens after the robot overlords in the war? Like, do they take over? Do they keep, they preserve us as a endangered species? 
Or his batteries. Or his batteries, like in the Matrix. And then the robots uh, go to space and become transformers. Should make like robots a, in disguise. Another Terminator movie, but the Terminator movie is set like a thousand years after the war ended, and uh, robots won. And so they've like built this uh, this grand society, and then they have like a museum of like you know how we have. Uh, like prehistoric dinosaurs and stuff like that. They have yeah. human human exhibits and bones and stuff, and uh, all in their museums and stuff. But like the life on, I would I would picture it kind of like uh, the Matrix when it when it shows the real real world in the Matrix up on top of the Earth or yeah. whatever. Right, everything's all like it's all uh, fucked up. All, well, like all technological is what I'm saying. Like there's no greenery or anything like that anymore because oh, there's okay. no need for there's like everything's green now because we plant trees and stuff like that. Right. In our cities. But it's with yeah. robots. You don't need to do that. Right. So they just don't. So then eventually robot society and cities like take over the planet and everything's like, I guess like Coruscant would be a better. Uh, yeah. From Star Wars would be. A it looks like Coruscant is just a big metal metal planet yeah so like is your your vision like around yeah so your your vision is like it's a it's a like a museum and then you have like dad bot shows up and he's like showing his son kitty bot yep but <laughs> um, oh but like, because they need, you know, they need uh, a, a protagonist and an antagonist for this movie, right? It's not, it, yeah. it can't just be like a documentary of what robot life's like. Okay. Now it's now it's uh, human, not human, but um, like organic species uh, aliens that come in. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, threaten you, the life of you, the robots. You oh. mentioned that. And because you, you guys are so bad at action games, you should fucking play Near Automata because that's actually part of the storyline. Ooh, yeah, I should uh, play that, game. that game. I am bad at action games, though. I don't understand I why it's like super games. easy. That's because you're too good at action games. It's not even hard. <laughs> they have an easy mode. Yeah. So, like, yeah. You know, like I like I like this movie that you're making that you're making, Mitch. Like the first scene, you have Dad Bot and you have Kid Bot, and he's like, "Hello, son. <laughs> Do you yep. look at this exhibit?" Okay, so there no, used to be human. No, your movie here. sucks because Near does that too, and it does it so much better. There's a no, scene. I in, like mine better. There's a scene in the game where you made mine yet. Jason, how do you know that Nier does it better? Because like yeah. I can visualize it, and it doesn't have to be. It's it's without spoken no. dialogue. So what ha- I'm yeah. going to tell you what happens. So what happens is you you take over this little bot, and his his dad bot is dead, and he can't speak. So what he does is he walks over to a pile of oil, and you have to you have to go to the oil in in this as this clumsy robot and try to bring the oil to his dead dad, and he realizes that the oil doesn't doesn't bring his dead dad to life, and the robot has now experienced death as a robot. It's a way better. Damn. So this is why okay, you fucking so, guys should play this game. This is why. So I'm I'm just gonna say this. Um, the reason mine will be better is because I am going to have Michael Bay as the director oh my of my God. movie. So it'll be oh similar. God. So many but explosions. Like when, when body, when like, or not when body, <laughs> when when baby robot is taking the oil, kitty bot back to dad, 
robot, there's just going to be like these huge explosions in the background that are going to be like super epic because, you know, it's when the, it's when the aliens attacked and like, and every life as they know it is being blown up around them. And there's just going to be lens flare and explosions. And that's going to make it more epic than this dad stupid bot. video game. Do you Why know, are you not moving dad bot? I'm really serious. You guys are missing out a lot by not playing that game. <laughs> it's a fantastic I mean, game. I'm, I'm very interested in that game. You should I've play heard that. Things game. about that game. I just, uh, I you know what I'm not a fan of is I I'm, heard some I'm very bad at action RPGs. Yeah, uh, and so like when you the suck. first time I played it, I played the first thirty minutes past of the game. The first area. <laughs> yeah, I played the first thirty minutes of the game, and I get to like the first like main fight, and you I can't died. get past it. Well, is no, there I died. a co-op mode? So I died. No, there's no and co-op mode. And then I'm like, oh, that kind of sucks. I'm like, okay, well, let me go back and I'll try that fight again. And it puts you at the very beginning. And I'm like, of the well, game? I just don't. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't feel like playing this again. And so I stopped. It's not that I tried. I. It's, it's not like necessarily that I couldn't get past it. It's that I played, you know, however long it took me to get there, which I, I mean, granted, it wasn't that long. But then as soon as I go, I had to start over from the beginning and watch the very beginning opening cinematic again. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. And I turned it off. <laughs> Because you're upset. The intro is so yeah. easy that nobody should fail it. <laughs> well, well, I did. I will literally. Did he do miss that the quick time you. event of like putting no, the oil? What he, what he, mi- what he misses is that there are there are ways to cheese that game, um, in the beginning especially, and you can literally spam dodge, and the game will not punish you for it. It does later, but not in that intro part. So what he probably happened is he got to the first boss, which was the saw arm. And when the saw arm came down as a sweep, you can just spam dodge through it. Boosh. Nothing, not a problem. Boosh. Really easy. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I didn't spam dodge through it. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't like to cheese my games. I like to play them as the developers intended. And obviously the developer intended me to... The developer intends to you to die. have your... You, to literally have your fingers on the, the sentry that shoots all the time and also be dodging constantly because when you... Or you can you try to time and do a perfect dodge. If you do a perfect dodge, it lets you have extra damage when you attack again. So you guys should play that game. I'm really serious about it. It's a... It's probably the best game I've played in the last 10 years. Damn. Uh, especially uh, as a fan of history like you, Tim, there's a lot of uh, good uh, historical references to old philosophers in the game. Uh, it has some comedy as Manifesto stuff going on there uh, as, a, as a weird criticism. Because basically the, the premise of the game is it's two type of, types of AI fighting against each other. One was, one was brought together by an alien race and one was brought together by humanity. And each one is discovering how to become human, if that makes sense. That's yeah. that's the best. That's the best, um, easy description I can give it. And the music's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's on. It's on my list to get. Mitch, you fucker, play that game. <laughs> I might next time I come over, I will do it to. for you. I will do because after that, when you get in the open world, the game is fucking real. I, I know I'm probably being hyperbolic. The game is super cake in the open world. It's super easy. I don't. I don't want you. I don't want you beating the first part of the game for me. That like ruins it, right? That's well, then, that's not. Then you that should, give me the satisfaction. As soon, as, soon as we're I done recording this podcast, you go play the game. <laughs> but I have, but I have Assassin's have. Creed Odyssey to play. No, no oh yeah, Assassin's Grind Odyssey. Yeah, 
It's super good. That game's so big and there's so much to do. It's all padding. Yeah, it is. And it's great. I love is it padding. all padding. It is all padding. It is, it is all padding and it's awesome. <laughs> he he oh, likes those games. Uh, it's being criticized pretty badly about how much padding is in the game. It's like, oh my God, there's over 100 hours of content and 50 hours well, of it is slaying sheep. The main problem yeah. is, from what I've heard, and maybe Mitch can back this up, is that the main story miss- missions have a level lockout. So you have I to fucking hate that. Yeah. That kind but, of shit. And what's even more hilarious, off. you can go buy XP boosts with real money. Oh, oh of I course you can. Into the store. Yeah. So I don't I don't know about that. Dude, but. I that is probably one of my that's something that I hate in a game where it like locks you out of playing something because of like locks you out of the main story. Like in my opinion, any game, the main story should allow you to progress through the story arc without stopping. And the side content should, the side content should be good enough that you want to stop and go get it. And yeah, it'll make the main story easier, but you should be able to beat the main story without stopping. No, I think they took that wow philosophy. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, Because then you have, like, because then you're you're missing a lot of the game, right? Because then at that point, that kind of gameplay means that you could pick up the game, play the story content, and finish the story content without touching anything else well, that's in the game. I think the superior yeah. design choice is not to have level lockouts, but have the Bethesda model in the sense where Bethesda has a main storyline, but they have all these little bells and whistles that you run into that make you want to diverge away from it. If that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that's, like how I, that's how I feel when I'm doing this game, right? Like, I'm not... Like, do you feel like the filler is actually entertaining? Yeah, there's, there's a level lockout between it, but I haven't hit the level lockout. I haven't, I haven't gotten to a point where... I mean, and, okay, and granted, I, I'm not, you know, 40 hours in or anything like that yet, but I haven't gotten to a point where I am, like, trying to grind out XP so that I can get to the next level so I can continue the story mission. It's It's been me going through and I've been enjoying, there's like, because um, it, it takes place during the Spartan-Athens War. And so you can like, there's like all these different territories and stuff like that. And they're all either under Spartan control or Athenian control. And you can like change control by like eliminating threats and then like starting a campaign to go through and, and change who owns the area and everything like that. And there's, uh, there's ship things. I haven't really done a lot of the ship stuff yet. Um, but like, and then there's people have a bunch of quests for you and there's, uh, other different objectives and there's like a bunch of stuff that you can go through and do. And I'm enjoying doing all that to where by the time I leave a zone, I'm, I'm at the max level of the zone. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Like, well, I've, I've done a bunch of the side quests now. Like, okay, let me get back to the story storyline. I'm enjoying doing the side quests though. Well, so it sounds like if other people have your same opinion, then the, the side quests don't sound like filler. They sound like just good content. Uh, ever, everybody it. doesn't have that opinion though. I can tell you that much. Yeah, and I can definitely see other people not having that opinion, and I and I'm only like I'm I think I'm only like ten hours into the game, right? 
but that 10 hours I'm only in like zone three because I've been like completing all the zones and like everything to do in the zone. So if you were someone that like went in, did the first couple story missions, ignored the rest of the zone, went to the next zone, you could probably be four hours into the game and being like, I don't want to go do this quest to go get this guy's goat. Like, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to figure out what's going to happen, happening with yeah. the, the, the main story and can't do it or whatever. You know, I, do you I have to go get someone's goat? Uh, no, I was just making that up, but well, my problem with the whole Ubisoft's brand of open world philosophy is that historically, I mean, what I've seen from several reviews on this game and seen from various Twitch streams is that Ubisoft filler is still very much present in this game. And it, I think it, it, it really depends on your personality. Some people really like to grind out content. I know that because I know tons of JRPG fans. I like some certain JRPGs, but I do not like them where I'm forced to constantly grind all the time for levels, constantly grind all the time for money so I can buy new equipment. I hate that shit. Um, and I, I just, I've, in all of Ubisoft's open world games, like they just fill it with needless shit to do. And I, I just so, can't stand it. Did you not like um, Skyrim? No, I don't. I, I have a love-hate relationship with um, Bethesda. So Bethesda back in the day, um, I feel like they were mastery, masters of their open-world craft, and they still are in a sense. I feel like the one thing they did good in Skyrim is that each individual quest from whether it be the Dark Brotherhood or the Companions or whatever, they felt like they were powerfully their own thing. What the problem is, is like they 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 suck at interconnectivity. So what, what's, what Bethesda's philosophy is, we have these like seven or eight main different quests on top of the main quests that you have that you can do. And then we have these alg- algorithmic side quests that we create through our Radiant AI engine, which is what they call it. And it's all horseshit. And most people in the community hate that shit. Because they also transfer the Radiant AI over to Fallout 4. And Fallout 4's most the majority of their quests are Radiant AI quests, and the ones that are scripted actual story quests are few and far between. So no, I don't like that kind of shit. I hate that filler. It's fucking stupid. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It does. Yeah. It's it all it does is it bloats out your game. The one thing it does do good is that if people like that shit, it makes the game feel like it's alive. Because it's constantly giving you quests all the time, but once you do three or four of them, you realize this is it's it's basically like the same problem that happens in MMORPGs after you do a content for the fifth time, you start to you start to feel burnout. I've seen this before, you know. At least that's for me. I start to feel burnout. I'm like, okay, this is this is dumb. This is getting ridiculous. Yeah, I can I can see that, and I guess um... I think Bethesda hides it better than Ubisoft does. The Radiant AI is a lot, I think, does a better job of making it look like it's not filler garbage. And Bethesda, or where Ubisoft's like, hey, here's another tower. Go up the tower. Okay, cool. Hey, go, go, go chase after tower. that. Go chase after that guy. He stole something while I was playing a cool ass music. Oh, I did that eight times. There's a, there is a different philosophy. If that makes sense. No, it does. It does. Yeah. And I guess, and I, and that, that's a good like understanding or whatever, cause, and difference or whatever, because like in Skyrim, I played the shit out of all those, like I, uh, those side quests, right? I like doing well, it. Well, the main like, ones, right? Uh, the main ones and 
Well, God, I don't know. That was so long ago. Well, do you, so do you remember what the rate, do you know, what? can you recognize the Radiant Eye Quest? And this actually talks into our AI conversation, but do you know how to recognize the Radiant Eye uh, Quest? No. Every, fa- every faction, well, there's two types. There was one that you could get from reading books. Uh, every time you went into a dungeon, you should be reading books because that could open up a Radiant Quest. And okay. That, that would change and whatever, like, for example, they would, it was actually pretty genius. You would read the book. And it would have a bit of lore and it would talk about uh, this evil thing. And at the end of the book, it would say, but the evil thing prevailed and you could find it here. And you, you got actually got to go and fight the evil thing. That was actually very smart, Radiant AI, because you got a piece of lore. It got it felt like an organic quest because you're in this dungeon. You read this book. Good stuff. The other types of Radiant AI were um, like the bounty boards. There's always okay. a, there's always a, a bandit bounty to get. Or like if you're part of Thieves Guild, there are three types of bounty. There was a bounty where you could go steal shit, a bounty where you could go fudge the numbers on a, um, a uh, like a, a business, like you change their numbers around and get them in trouble with the government. And then there was a breakout bounty, like break one of the Thieves Guild's people out of jail. And they're endless. You could do them as many times as you wanted to. Um, and other other uh, guilds had the same thing. Those are the those are trash. Radiant, radiant AI quests in my mind. The book one, good, emergent, makes you feel like you were in a dungeon, you were already doing something, you stopped to read a book, and by reading the book, you got a quest. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I can, and I definitely see the difference between those two. Yeah, like Ubisoft just loves to fill their shit with, or their, their games with this needless garbage. And some people, I'm not trashing anyone who likes that stuff, they really do, because they, they, they sell them out all the time. They keep selling them out. So people like that shit. It makes them feel like their game is worth 60 bucks. But to me, it, it's like padding. I don't know. Well, it seems like they, based off of quite a few things, it seems like this this time, maybe they are starting to do a little bit better job with the, with the padding based off of Mitch's description. Like, it sounds like it's more engaging. Maybe I just need to play more. Maybe if I play a little bit more, then I'll be like, oh, this is shit. Well, yeah, in the past... God damn it, I don't want to do this again. Yeah, in the past, they usually take seven or eight different types of archetype quests, and then they they sprinkle them in the game. So, like, for example, did you play Watch Dogs? No, I didn't. That was an Ubisoft game, and there was a a main quest where you had to save this hooker. She was actually a hooker. She was a, a prostitute. And all of her prostitute friends from these evil dudes. And you do the main quest. And after that, it unlocks another side quest. And the side quest is to save more hookers. And they're all the same. Oh, you saved a hooker. Now you got to save another one. Now you got to save another one. And now you got to save another one. And there was like, there was like, you did it. Yeah. You saved the hooker. So like they take these archetype quests. And I don't know. I can't speak about Odyssey. I don't. I don't purchase Ubisoft stuff anymore. I, I just got sick of that design philosophy, and it's just not for me. But they take these archetype quests, and they just they sprinkle them in there. And other games have been guilty of this for as well. Like Infamous, which which was like Sony's um, exclusive superhero game, had a really good main story plot, but all of its side content was literally climb up this building and defuse the bombs. And you go to another building, please climb up this building and defuse the bombs. Oh, get that guy. He stole something. <laughs> okay. Funny. I can see that. You know, and I, yeah, I think that that same kind of thing happened with uh, Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man game that came out. Yeah. I missed a lot of it because uh, 
I had I just rented that game off a of Redbox, and so I wanted to play through the storyline as quickly as I could, which goes back to your point, Tim. Uh, yeah, imagine if one, you had had a level gate. Yeah, there there wasn't a level gate in that one. Uh, you could just like I just went from story story quest to story quest. I did a couple of the side quests that are there because uh, in that one you're you're going all throughout uh, New York, right? And so there's crime that's happening everywhere and there's uh like old backpacks of yours that you left from when you were in high school that you want to pick up but that's a different type of quest and then there's another one where there's like gangster hideouts that you go and infiltrate and there's another one with like a cat burglar thing so there's all these different side quests and they're all if i had done them all i could definitely see getting burnt out with it I think it's a little bit different because it's all maybe, well, maybe I guess it's a little bit different because it's all action related to a point, right? Like all the crime you're going down and there's a bank robbery or a jewelry store robbery or whatever. And then you get down there and there's a bunch of bad guys shooting at you and you have to fight them and subdue them and everything like that. Right. So that keeps it at least a little bit interesting. But after the third jewelry store, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then you just swing away. There's a, there's a case for good procedurally generated content created by AI, but it has to be disguised so well that you don't feel like it's something um, AI related or, you know what I'm saying, or scripted or, or something you keep doing over and over again. So I'm not against that kind of content, but uh, developers have to be better at, for me as a consumer, at hiding it so I don't second guess myself. Like, have I done this before? This is a part of the game, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think for the, sure. The first Assassin's Creed games were really bad at that, right? Because like the first Assassin's Creed, oh, there was the, the side quests are story. boring. Yeah, well, and the overarching story was going on in the background, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you go to this city. I remember because I never finished the first game because it just got really annoying. You would you go yes. into the game, you go to a go city, to the new city, get the and tower, then, and do the you thing. Get the tower, you kill the guy, and then you go into the cutscene. And then it's like, okay, cool. Like, go back in, and then you go to another city that looks exactly the same. And lo, look, Get the, the towers tower. in the the towers in the exact same spot. Oh, look, I have to go kill a guy, and he's in the same spot that I just killed last guy in. Okay. It was pretty fun sneaking around, though. See, and that's what I and I actually like that game. Odyssey. So in Odyssey, it kind of gives you. Um, it gives you the option of how you want to play the game. You can either do it as an assassin super sneaky you can do it as like a warrior and put a bunch of skill points in uh like warrior abilities or you can do it like as as uh, an archer or a combination of all three yeah they made it more like an rpg yeah yeah versus a stealth game that's interesting yep yeah that that's what people are lauding it for that really like it it's basically more like a an rpg now yep. than it's ever been it's almost like they did a soft reboot of the series which i'm not downing them for at least they're trying something different but yeah, it seems like the the stealth genre is kind of gone out of style. Well, how many people do you know that play those games besides like maybe you or Mitch that actually played them as a stealth game? Because at least in the first three Assassin's Creed games and the the two spinoffs, you could literally just parry parry your way out of anything. Yeah, I mean the first, I think I played the first three Assassin's game Assassin's Creed games as a stealth game, and then I just started parrying. <laughs> everything just mashing mashing the buttons out out of every fight you can still kind of do that 
Sweet. Well, that's good at least. But now you have like these cool finisher moves that you can do and the finisher moves are depending on what you choose. So that's kind of cool. So I thought the like, stylization of it looked a lot like uh, like God of War. Uh, yeah, not as, I don't not as good. God of War was prettier. Oh, okay, prettier, and it probably had a better quest structure, right? Yeah, and yeah. that was just a really fucking good game. Like, yeah, I think Ubisoft really is game. capable of making that kind of game because obviously, look at how well they've done with Siege, right? But the problem with Assassin's Creed is it's a yearly franchise. If they just like took two, three years to make an Assassin's Creed game like God of War, I think they would it would I think they would benefit well with the community. Well, it's interesting well, because Odyssey, they're saying they're gonna have this game uh, like Odyssey is gonna be the last Assassin's Creed game for quite a few years. That means they plan yeah. supporting it with content. Yep. Yep. So I mean there's a difference, right, between taking a couple of years to develop the game well versus releasing it and then just adding more content to it. I uh, I think I heard they're going to have that same philosophy with the Division 2. Like, they learned a lot of lessons from the first yeah. Division, and now they're going to hunker down. Well, it's it's like these, uh, it's like these pseudo MMORPGs, right? Like, the MMOs, like, wow, are, are a game that gets cut, that comes out, and then every few years they release an expansion and then support that expansion with... Uh, patches when they're kind of doing the same philosophy with this where they release the game and then they support it with uh, ongoing DLC and you know it's justified to pay the DLC for it because you don't you're not paying a monthly subscription to get the patches for free right but it's you know you release one game you support it for a few years by releasing content in the middle of that time frame before you release another one i think you reduce the complaining too when you don't have a sub like that like i I feel like since dlc is optional you really you you reduce like just mindless complaining about people who want the the game to fit their needs like you do with like wow for example because everyone complains because they feel like they are owed something because they're paying 15 dollars a month and in in their own right they probably are but yeah, you can avoid, I think you can avoid a lot of backlash with the optional model. Yeah. And I, yeah. and and I also get it too. Cause like, uh, with some games, right? Like there's some DLC that comes out with some games that I just don't want to play. Yeah. Um, and you can ignore it and then I can ignore it. Uh, like destiny. Well, the destiny I heard too, the first I, two DLCs that came out with that. I just completely ignored. Yeah. I heard you can't play forsaken though, without those. Uh, I think you wow, get them shitty. if you play for or if you buy Forsaken, you get them or something like that. Oh, I think really? I don't know. Okay, I think maybe not. I I could I, really we should be look wrong into it. That. I don't know. I I was reading a review the other day, and it was it was either you had to be, yeah. I think they had to go through those content. I don't know. I was interested in playing it because you guys had me buy it, and I, apparently, like this is this is like the No Man's Sky expansion for Destiny Two, Destiny Destiny Two. So like, that, that's how much it's improved. Have you heard that too? I have heard that. In fact, yeah. I've I've heard a lot of good things about uh, Forsaken. So I was I was peak. My interest had been peaked on that. So maybe uh, future TMJ. Maybe we'll jump into it again. And oh, here it. we go. Yeah. So starting on October sixteenth. Interesting. So this is actually really recent. Uh, if you buy Forsaken 
on the 16th, starting the day before this podcast gets released. Uh, it includes the Curse of Osiris and Warmind uh, DLC expansions. So after the 16th, if we buy it, we get those expansions. Correct. So they are required now. That, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like they're they're making a solve. They're like, yeah, we we had where you had to have these um, expansions, but now we're just gonna we're gonna. Just I mean, it, it kind of makes sense because those expansions were content, and you right. increased your power level and everything like that through them. So it would make sense that they would want you to play through them, so that uh, like if you if they didn't give you the content. Or if I guess if they didn't force you to play through them, then you would be under geared when you try to go play through the new the new content. Mm. What do you think, Tim? We can play some Forsaken. I don't know, man. That entire that entire game's philosophy is like grind some gear, get more gear. Okay, what do you do now? Get, get more, more gear. gear. <laughs> it's it's wow. Oh wow, that's awesome! Wow, you got all this awesome gear. Now what do we do? We go get more gear, and it's like. That that kind of model just gets old for me so fast. Well, that's why I'm I mean, more of a fan of the sandbox MMO. Max, you you can only get up to a certain higher high amount of gear. That's, that's and true. And then and when, when I get the to the max, you know what they do? They do you do the raid. They they release an expansion that increases the max. Yeah, but that's after you've been at the max for a little bit. That's not that big a deal. I mean, not for me. Because I'm just like, oh, like I'll play every once in a while. This is fun. Okay. Oh, I finally got to the max. Awesome. They're like, oh, max is up. Yeah. I don't know. I always hey, really enjoyed the story. The max thought, is up. I thought the story and the uh, the story content and the storyline of Destiny was always interesting to me. And it was enjoyable yeah. when I played it. The, like, the, the, I like the fact that you could play the story with people. Yep. Like I, I enjoy the, I enjoy doing co-op gameplay. Like you're just enjoying a story with friends. The developer of the future that figures out emergent AI that creates emergent content on its own that doesn't feel like it's script, like it's heavily like garbagey content will be super rich because it solves a problem that because the, the the MMO developers can't make enough content fast enough for their community. So whoever creates oh, kind of scary, whoever creates whatever system that can procedurally generate content that doesn't feel hollow will be rich. It's like procedurally generating content, but it's like it's making the content itself. Correct. And like it's using like, you know, what inputs is it using? It's going and being like, oh, like, I'm going to go out to the internet and I'm going to get inspiration for the input. So, like, your quest is like, kill all the Nazis. Right. Whoever can okay, perfect, kill the whoever Nazi can sheep. perfect it so it doesn't do that. <laughs> you know? Um, in a sandboxy like, type environment. It's a bunch of boars in a forest and they're yeah. just like... You know, and I don't think it would be... I don't necessarily think it would be that hard too, right? So you have like let's go back to the hooker quest line. From Wild that, one really, that one yeah, that one really spoke to me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's okay. So side note, right? There's a there's a deeper problem there because what pimp is allowing all of his hookers to get in trouble like that? Right? That's just bad, bad management. It's anyway, just bad pimping. If if you had if you had that 
uh, those quest lines and it was like, oh, you know, go rescue, go rescue this prostitute and then you rescue her and then it's like, okay, go now go rescue this other prostitute. If you turn that same style of quests um, where it just, you know, go do this and okay, now go do this again. Okay, now go do this again. If those quests gave you even just the illusion of a choice, right? At the end of the quest line, you have an option of like, all right, cool. Now you found the hooker. Now you could either kill the hooker or you can take her back to the pimp or, you know, you take her back to the pimp or you're like, oh, or you give her a thousand dollars and say, okay, now go find yourself a better life. Something. I don't know. Or you give her her a hundred dollars and say, go get yourself a nice meal. Go get yourself a Big Mac and bring me the change. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or you give her $20, go get yourself a, go get you and me a Big Mac. If you did, if you did something like that, right? And obviously it couldn't be the same exact option at the very end of each one, but giving someone the illusion of a, of a choice at the end of a quest line, I think greatly enhances uh, the quests that are there and would, would give some, you know, um, fulfillment to the person that's doing the quest line. If because it, it's fulfillment, it's a filler quest, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't progress your storyline unless it, unless it did or made you think that it did. Well, I think the, when you, when you have the choices, I think that's the, that's the hard part. Cause then like, what do those choices impact in the game? Right. Cause if they don't impact anything, then it's like, they are just an illusion and that's pretty hollow. Don't you well, think it would have to be like a, a combination of like emergent AI and wow is phasing technology where the world can phase around what you do. It can change around you based on what's what quests you've taken. So like and not be- necessarily like it it could just it could be a dialogue, right? Like it could be okay, so say you have say you have uh you you you're going into an area or whatever, right? Uh you're like on a a police standoff or something with you're on the Spider-Man game and you're doing a police standoff against like a bunch of, a bunch of thieves and, and and hookers. Right. And, and then all of a sudden thieving hookers, I'm trying to make like an example off the top of my head, but like there, you're the outcome of the event could be written. Right. And And it will always be that outcome. But that doesn't necessarily mean that if you go through and you make a choice, like you could choose to be on one person's side or you can choose to be on the other person's side. And the only thing that needs to change is depending on what choice you make, the dialogue can change in the um, in the scenario, right? And instead of you helping take down the baddies or whatever, you actually join the baddies and then then they still get taken down because they're baddies and the you know the cops arrest them or whatever. Um but then maybe you get away would or Spider-Man join the baddies. I don't know. I'm just get, listen, this isn't a perfect example. But the point is listen, like, I don't that doesn't make any sense to me. What what's to Spider-Man's motivation? Like he's always been about, you know, doing good. Well, Why the motivation the is because the Kingpin has Aunt May 
and he said he's going to kill her unless he robs the jewelry store. Now, he went down to rob the jewelry store, but when he went down there, there was already a burglary in progress because it's New York. With a bunch of thieving hookers. Right, so he could stop, he could join the the, the police and stop the robbers from getting away with the loot but the problem yeah, is yeah. the loot that the robbers have is the loot that he needs to give to the kingpin. So if he joins the police, then he doesn't get the loot. But if he helps the robbers, then, uh, like to escape, then he can rob the robbers to get the loot to give the kingpin to save Aunt May. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Just let Aunt May die. She needs to die. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, because I think this is very important. Have you guys Have you guys played that game? And do you plan on playing that game? Spider-Man? Yeah. Spider-Man? Uh, maybe. Do you want a spoiler? I don't care. Spo- spoiler alert for Spider-Man. Aunt May dies? Aunt May dies. It's fucking awesome. So, okay, <laughs> let me ask you this, because this is really important in the scenario that you're painting here. Uh, is it Granny Aunt May, or is it Marissa Tomei Aunt May? Uh... To make it make sense, Marissa Tomei at me. It's Marissa Tomei at me? Okay. Well, yeah. we should definitely join with the robbers then. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, see? That's what I'm saying. So, like, in the scheme of themes, in the scheme of themes, right, like, you knock scheme. out you knock out the cops so you can rob the robbers, but because yep. you knocked out the cops, they don't really know, like, oh, they got knocked out. They thought it was the bad guys, and so, like, you're still, you're still, you're Spider-Man. still Spider-Man. Right, you're still the good guy, or you you joined the cops, and then you were like, "Hey, I need this thing because Kingpin has Aunt May," and they're like, "Oh, it's okay, Spider Man. You know, go ahead and take it. Like, I'm sure you'll bring it back after you defeat the Kingpin. Either way, whatever whatever thing that you chose, right? Either way, you end up with the item from the jewelry store, but." The only thing that changed was, you know, a set of dialogue. But you said and, it doesn't that, matter that because Aunt May dies. No, you're right. And so that's what, that's my point, right? Like for the entire story, for the entire story, the end outcome is still the same. Aunt May still dies. Still but May. for that, but for that. Well, then why instance, should I have a choice? Aunt May's still going to die, that, man. For that so instance, it gave you an illusion of choice. Yeah, it but like Marissa Tomei is going to die. You don't know that though. It made that quest feel a little bit more. Well, uh, I know it now. <laughs> uh, it, but the problem is is that developers have actually done that in the past and people honestly hate those kind of quests where it doesn't matter people get really mad that was a criticism of Mass Effect 3 yeah, that means especially that when Aunt, when Aunt May is going to die anyway the, the, what that means is that it didn't give you an illusion of choice it gave you no choice like it didn't give you a choice right because oh, no, like, no, Mass Effect 3 definitely you gave you a choice, an illusion of choice you, it gave you a choice that it wasn't a good it wasn't a good example of that though right because like you when you did it it's like oh nothing changed for this okay cool but like I, if if i think if you do it correctly then it affects things it can affect things in such a small way that for the grand scheme of things no it doesn't matter uh but so what, for like you as a player the- you feel more connected to your character because you made those choices. So what is it like instead of Aunt May like falling off a skyscraper and dying, 
she like falls into a pot of acid and dies or what? I think yeah. we should call this game Aunt May Dies. You get to choose a how. <laughs> yeah. This yeah, like, like I don't like Aunt May's still gonna die. What does it matter if she falls off a skyscraper or if she gets boiled in acid? Mitch. <laughs> well What does that matter? On, because if she falls or if she off gets a, stabbed by the giant spider thing. Well, see, now there's a real big difference, right? Because if she get, if she gets stabbed by the giant spire thing and dies, you can still have an open open casket funeral. If she falls into a boiling pot of acid, nobody wants to see that. Oh, that's true. Or you still have an open casket <laughs> oh <my> funeral. <laughs> oh my god, I got this this visual of like the on screen UI of the quest. It says save. Try to get Aunt May away from the vat of acid to save your funeral costs. Because <laughs> she's going to die anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's called Aunt May Dies at the End, man. It's really sad. Oh, oh God. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, essentially, AI is pretty scary, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. AI wants to kill Aunt May. <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> uh. Poor Aunt May. <laughs> mm. Hashtag save Aunt May. Well, we learned that uh, you can't save Aunt May ever, but we can have the choice of kind of maybe saving her, but not really. But we can save money on funeral costs. Yep. And uh, AI is bad. It's important. And AI is bad and scary. Watch the uh, Watch the video that we post in our description. Uh, because it's creepy and, uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if you think it's creepy or if you don't think that, let us know that too. Yeah. It's and not it's if just you think cool. we, yeah, if you agree with Mitch, then don't comment. If you agree with me, go ahead and comment. Yeah. And I only want, I only want positive reinforcement. If you listen on one of the platforms me. that doesn't have a description like iTunes or Google Play, you should like our Facebook page because that's where we post stuff like this too. Podbeam. You can't do that there, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can comment on Facebook. You can comment on Facebook. On, didn't we do, we are on Spotify now. We're on Spotify on now. iHeartRadio now. Is that a thing? Yeah, but I, you can't target us on there, so we will only show up randomly, I believe. Oh, is that a thing? You know, I never I submitted us to there, but I never got a response oh, back. Maybe we're not through. on iHeartRadio, so don't don't take that as gospel yet. We're looking yeah, to be fine. on iHeartRadio. We want but, we want to be on everything. Yeah. We're really excited about Podbeam specifically. So if you're curious and you don't you don't watch us on YouTube or whatever, go like our Facebook page, TMJ Syndrome. And then if you're on iTunes, you should leave us a review and a and a, and a star rating and stuff. Yeah. I'm just saying what he said. Yeah. All right. And uh, like, if you want to kill Aunt May. Yeah. Likes mean Aunt May should die. Dislikes out of acid. Dislikes mean you want to hang out with Marissa Tomei. And (laughs) means that, yeah, that means that she should die in the skyscraper fall instead. If you hit the bell notification on YouTube, then she'll just fall out of a plane. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Ping Ping is so mean. I know, what a dick. <laughs> Bye. 
Cool. Bye. Bye.